Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. Our quote of the day is by Seneca. He said, All art is but an imitation of our nature. Hello everyone, my name is Addie Hirschton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and artists to inspire you and help you move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with the author and storyteller Diane de las Casas and the story, the folk tale, The Three Brothers. Announcements. So I've started my next book. Um, As many of you know, my first book, The Alchemy of Art, is a collection of folk tales and true stories about artists. Now, this second book is a nuts and bolts guide to painting. In one of the chapters, I have a step-by-step guide to creating painting. And for a limited time, you guys can go to my art blog, artistaddy.com, and download that chapter for free by signing up for my newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Again, that's at my art blog, artistaddy.com. I'm happy to announce that I will be teaching at the September 2016 Art and Soul Retreat in Virginia Beach. There I'll be doing uh, a two-day workshop on Victorian flower painting, mm-hmm. as well as a one-day workshop, The Secret Language of Symbols. To register for those two courses, you can go to the artandsoulretreat.com website. Hope to see you there. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Diane de las Casas. Diane de las Casas is an award-winning author, storyteller, and recording artist. She performs worldwide in schools, libraries, festivals, and special events, and is a frequent presenter at the International Reading Association, the American Library Association, and other literary and educational conferences. She's written more than 26 books, including The Cajun Cornbread Boy, Mama's Bayou, Kamishi Bai Story Theater, one of my favorites, Handmade Tales, Stories to Make and Create, the Story Biz Handbook, and many, many more. Diane de la Casas lives in with her family in the New Orleans area. You can find out more about her work on her website, dianedelacasas.com. I first heard about Diane uh, in my former life as a children's librarian. I loved each of her picture books whenever they'd come out, and when I became a storytelling artist traveling around my state to do performances in libraries and schools and things like that, I found that her book, The Story Biz Handbook, was by far the best resource for learning the ins and outs of the business of performance art. So I highly recommend it to any of you artists who are out there who are interested in doing artist residencies and performance. So welcome, Diane. 
Thank you so much, Addie. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Let's start with the first question. What's the story of how you became a professional storyteller? Well, you know, I knew that I always wanted to write for kids, even when I was a kid. And I would tell all of my teachers. And when I was in my early 20s, I decided that in order to become a better writer, I should volunteer at the library. So what I did was I did the Saturday story times for a couple of years and I would get access to all of the new books coming into the library. The librarian actually had a little space on her personal shelf in her office that said Diane and she would put aside all of the new picture books that would come in and I would design the story times. I would do the crafts that went with it and plan the whole story time and the themes. And I just did this as a volunteer. And what happened was that the storytelling kind of took over. I, I was still writing um, and getting lots of rejections, but my writing was improving sure. because of my voice as a storyteller. So I started in my local library and then the librarian told me one day, she said, Diane, you know what? You're really good at this now. We actually pay people to come in and tell stories. <laughs> Yeah, okay. And you're not paying me. <laughs> so that's what gave me that little seed. Okay. And I went home and my husband at the time, I said, hey, guess what? He's like, what? I said, I want to be a professional storyteller. <laughs> and he just looked at me with this quizzical look on his face. Like, what is that? <laughs> People are going to actually pay you to tell stories. I said, yes, they are. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first books that I picked up was by Margaret Reed McDonald. It's the Storyteller's Startup Book. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good one. And, you know, over the years, I, I look back and I think, I can't believe where I am because now Margie and I are good friends. I've contributed stories to her books. Um, she actually wrote the forward for the Story Biz Handbook. Mm -hmm. And when I first started as a storyteller, she was like the goddess to me. Yeah. <laughs> she was my, I call her that. I just, I'm like, you're my storytelling goddess, my storytelling godmother. And, you know, now I could actually pick up the phone and be like, hey, Margie. <laughs> Oh, awesome. And it's real it's really amazing. Yeah. So what draws you to storytelling out for other mediums like theater or I'm thinking even just because you, you started with the writing and you're still doing the writing. Yes. Okay, so storytelling for me is that intimate connection with the audience. It, mm. In theater there's a fourth wall. But in storytelling, there is no fourth wall. You break that fourth wall. You're talking to the audience. You're interacting with them. And the kind of storytelling that I do, I typically work with children anywhere from kindergarten all the way up through eighth grade. And I do a lot of interactive storytelling with a lot of audience participation. It's what I love to do. And that connection with the audience where you're both telling the story there's just nothing like it. It's just this incredible feeling of joy. Yeah. Well, I Don't agree. you agree? <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And, and I've also found that 
certain things come out with storytelling that that don't when everything's scripted. You know, Absolutely. you might phrase things just a little differently. Or, um, it's more from the heart. It, it has yes, room to grow. Exactly. And sometimes you actually incorporate things that might happen in the room where you're telling a story, you know, like a bell rings and then you incorporate that into the story. You know, I do a lot of stuff in schools and you always have to expect the unexpected. And I I liken storytelling to jazz because jazz and I live in New Orleans. So jazz is very improvisational and storytelling is that way, too. You follow a basic structure. You have your plot. You have your outline. But with storytelling, you can feel fill in the details and feel in the details as you go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I absolutely love your books. What's the story of how you became an author? And I, you know, I'm hearing from you that you you wanted to be an author. How did you break that wall, the fourth wall, so to speak, <laughs> of, of uh, getting your stuff published and everything? That big barrier. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so in seventh and eighth grade, I had this incredible English teacher. Her name is Mrs. Good. She's still around. And she believed in me. And she kept all of my writings from her class and she saved them. And then when she retired after 30 years of teaching and I was already a professional storyteller with award-winning CDs and my book was coming out, my first book was coming out. She sent it to me, all of these writings. And she said, Diane, I knew you would become someone someday. And that I I can't even, it makes me tear up every time I say it because Um, someone having that kind of belief, someone believing in you that much, you know, so that helped fuel my passion. And I just never gave up my dream. So I would go to the National Storytelling Conference and attend any workshop that I could that had to do with publishing books. At the time, August House was a really big storytelling publisher, and I tried to get on with them. And then I met Kendall Haven, and he became a really good friend of mine. And Kendall actually writes incredible books about storytelling, and he and I now share the same publisher. So my very first book was called Story Fest, and it's crafting story theater scripts. So I took stories, and I would turn them into story theater scripts that I would perform with kids in in my residencies. And Kendall said to me, he said, Diane, you know, that's, that's really a great book. You should turn that into a book. And I was like, you think so? Because I really had my heart setting, set on writing children's books and, and picture books. And he said, yeah, you should totally do that. In fact, I'm going to give you my editor's name and you tell her I sent you. And I was like, what? <laughs> door, a door opened. Yeah. And so I, I sent it out to his editor. Her name is Barbara Itner at Libraries Unlimited. And she told me, I'm sorry, it's not for me, but I know an editor who would probably love this. So send it to her. So that <laughs> editor was Suzanne Barchers. This is this is a crazy story. So Suzanne Barchers was, was with uh, Teachers Teacher Ideas Press. And at the time, they were an imprint of um, Greenwood, which also housed um, Libraries Unlimited. So Suzanne, I actually took a publishing workshop from her a couple of years before. And here she was looking at this manuscript and she loved it and she took it. So that the lady that, that taught the workshop that I loved so much and, you know, 
she became my editor. And one of the things that she said to me, and I'm going to say this to you and to everyone listening, because these words are still emblazoned in my brain. And she said, nothing ever got published that sat in a drawer. Meaning you need to take your stuff out and you need to send it out and you need to submit it and you need to take that chance. Fortunately for me, Kendall opened a door and then the rest was up to me, of course. And, you know, now I try to pay it forward. So if I come across someone and I feel like, wow, this is really cool. Why don't you send this to my editor or, you know, here, talk to my agent. Um, So I try to do that for people as well. And I actually have helped several people get their very first book published. Nice. Nice. Wonderful. How is writing different than storytelling performance for you? Okay, so writing is static and storytelling is full of movement. So this is the challenge for me in taking some of the stories that I tell to a live audience and placing them inside a book, which can be very static. Mm. Um, You know, that there is, there is a little transition. So one of the things that I find, especially with picture books, and I adore picture books. I'm in love with picture books. I actually founded an international literacy movement called Picture Book Month, Mm -hmm. which is celebrated in November around the world. So we celebrate the print picture book in November all over the world. And I've gotten thousands of schools and libraries and bookstores and kids to read picture books during the month of November. One one school in Budapest, Hungary, read 7,000 picture books during picture book month. Wow. That's amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to your question. So what I do is I take the picture book structure and in, there are different structures and I work with the structure and p- infuse my storytelling voice. So if I sing a song in a story, mm-hmm. like in the Cajun Cornbread Boy, uh, there's a little refrain and, you know, it is patterned after the gingerbread man, but mine is a hot and spicy retelling. <laughs> so mine goes... Run, shall run, as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm full of cayenne. <laughs> so when I tell the story, that's how I tell it. And then in, in the book, it, those words are written. And it's amazing. I don't even have to teach the, the cadence or the rhythm. People just get it. Nice. And so when I when I hear a teacher reading it out loud or I see a lot of times students will perform it for me, it's it's just the most incredible feeling. It really is. So you as a storyteller, you can take your storytelling voice and really add so much flavor to the print book. Yeah. And that's I, I think that's one of my gifts. And that's what what I love doing. Yes. Yeah. So you've written so many books Obviously, they took a lot of time and dedication. How do you schedule and process your writing time? Are you a to-do list person? Is it very regimented, <laughs> your am, schedule? <laughs> I'm, I am wholeheartedly a to-do list person. Yeah. I am such a to-do list person. So every night before I go to bed, okay. I'm a planner. I'm a Capricorn. In fact, I just had a birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Um, <laughs> thank you. And... I just I like to plan things out. And I think, you know, it's it's that age old adage. If you uh, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. So 
I, every night I write down a to-do list and I, I just try to do five things every day to further my career. So whether it's writing a couple of paragraphs or doing something to market one of my books or scheduling something, I always try to do at least five things. And as far as my writing schedule, um, the great Jane Yolen, who is also a personal friend now, I'm like, God, I'm friends with Jane Yolen. What? <laughs> I know, realize these things. <laughs> uh, my dear Jane has written well over 300 books, so she's definitely another goddess. Yes. And and some of her books have been some of my favorite for storytellers. Um, she has one like uh, the one with the tales from around the world. It's a ginormous book. I always use that as a resource. But anyway, Jane says B I C which stands for butt in chair. And that's the only way you can get writing done is if you do it. Okay. So if you have a project, you that, that's how I have written 26 books in 10 years. You know, you just, you do it, you commit to it, you dedicate yourself to it. And no matter what happens, you just have to keep working at it. Um, no one forces you to write a book. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, if a book goes under contract, of course, there's a deadline. But there's no one there to tell you every day, hey, you need to write for uh, an hour and a half today. You just have to make that time. And I think that is the hardest thing for um, fledgling authors or, you know, authors in training <laughs> right. is I have people who come up to me and say, hey, I have this idea for a book. And it's just an idea, but unless you commit it to paper or, you know, fingers to the keyboard, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're doing your teaching residencies, what do you say most often to your students? A couple of things. So if I'm teaching storytelling, I teach them that they have all the tools they need right now. And... Mm -hmm. It's your face, your voice, and your body. Just those three things, and you can tell a story. And you always have those with you no matter where you go. You don't need fancy props. You don't need a background. Mm -hmm. You don't need sound effects from a machine. You just need yourself. And, you know, it's funny, but something that simple and is so profound. And I find that these students just look at me like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and the other thing that I tell them when I'm teaching writing is the best writing comes from rewriting. Uh, and, and it's true. The best writing comes from rewriting. No one ever did it perfect the very first time around. True enough. True. What new projects do you have in the works? Oh, my goodness. Um, so I'm working on the big bad book of urban legends. Ooh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it's going to it's going to have over 100 urban legends in it. It's quite a massive undertaking. I now look back and think, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> it's it's a lot of work, but I'm I'm excited about it and I just finished, well, I just had a book come out um called Spooktacular Tales which has spooky story. It's 25 just spooky enough stories. So that just came out and it, I, I felt like, okay, 
spooky stories, urban legends, they kind of go together. Um, and then I'm, I'm working, I have a bunch of picture book manuscripts that are ready for my agent. And I have a middle grade series that I'm working on that is top secret, oh, oh. but, <laughs> but suffice to say, it's a lot of fun. And I am getting to work with my 15 year old daughter, Eliana. She's known as kid chef Eliana, and she is a celebrity chef. She has three cookbooks and a weekly radio show wow. and does lots of television appearances. And this series that we are working on together is really exciting. And I'm super, super stoked about it. Oh. Okay, so you helped her write the cookbooks, put them together? Well, she writes her own recipes. Okay. I'm, I'm basically like the project manager. Eliana develops recipes all the time. She's developed hundreds of recipes. Companies hire her to develop recipes. Oh. That's, how good, that's how good she is, yes. Oh, oh too funny. Oh, so I don't, I don't write recipes for her. She, she writes them all herself. Uh, my job is just to make sure that, you know, when she puts a book together, that it's all cohesive and it flows well. Basically, it's like, Eliana, I think this recipe should go in front of that one. <laughs> <laughs> because mama knows best. <laughs> I, well, I've had a little bit of experience with publishing books, just a little. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger artist self? Well, I think I would tell my younger artist self to definitely do your homework. And it's actually something that I tell to a lot of artists and creative people who want to accomplish a dream. So you need to research the market. You need to know if you're going to write, you need to know who you're writing for. What is your demographic? What kind of books are being published? A good writer is an excellent reader. And I'm going to say that again. A good writer is an excellent reader. You cannot be a great writer if you're not informed. So you need to read books in your genre. So if you want to write murder mysteries, read murder mysteries. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get really good at it. And of course, develop your own voice. Um, I once read, actually, it's in a journal that I just got this year, um, it said that there is no such thing as originality because everything has been done, but you lend your authenticity to it okay. and it becomes yours. Ah. And it's, it's true. And it, for, like for you and for me, we tell stories, we reshape folk tales that are in the public domain and it's already been done. How, how do you do it differently? How do you lend your authenticity to it? It's not going to be original because it's already been done, but it can be authentic and true to you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. I love that. No, not really. I mean, there's, there are so many different story archetypes and motifs mm -hmm. that you will use over and over again, but when it's authentic and it and it's true to you, that's when it becomes truly unique mm -hmm. and resonates with the viewer. Yeah, your authentic. your readers, your readers, your audience. You know, whatever you're doing, whether you're performing, whether you're in the kitchen, you know, and you're. I mean, there's. Did you know that the egg can be <laughs> cooked six hundred different ways? <laughs> No, <laughs> it's, it's 
true. <laughs> the egg can be cooked 600 different ways. But every everyone's done it. Everyone's done. Someone's done one of those 600 different ways. So how do you do it? That makes it authentic and different, you know. So that's I think what what every artist needs to remember is that you have to be authentic with your egg and, and tasty, <laughs> tasty. We want it to be tasty. <laughs> Don't don't forget your salt and pepper. What is the main (laughs) message you're trying to convey with your work, Diane? Well, one of the things I really uh, strive for is, you know, my whole platform is literacy, getting kids to pick up books and read and making stories fun. Today in school, there are so many um, regiments and there's, testing and you know sometimes I feel like the fun is sucked out of a school day and so when I come in and I do a residency or I come in as a visiting author and I'm just on stage for maybe 45 minutes with an audience I think to myself I have them for 45 minutes I'm going to make the most of my time we are going to have fun we're going to explore stories and at the same time the kids don't have to know this but we're also exploring across the curriculum. We're exploring math and science and, um, you know, language arts, all of it. And I love that about stories and storytelling, Mm -hmm. that it is multidisciplinary and cross curriculum. I quite agree. Quite agree. So I know this is going to be a tough question for you, but what's your favorite book or story, or maybe you even want to share one? It's up to you. Seriously? Good, Seriously? This is our last question, Diane. <laughs> yeah, what's a favorite? Okay. okay, so my favorite author of all time is Roald Dahl. Mm-hmm. He wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, the BFG. I, there's so many books that he wrote. And one of the things that I love most about Roald Dahl is that he played with language and he played with words. Mm. He wasn't afraid to bend them and twist them and add his authenticity and his unique view of the world in his books. And, you know, that inspires me so much, kind of like Dr. Seuss. You know, Dr. Seuss also did the very same thing and really um, played with words. And... As far as a favorite story, oh my gosh, it's it's so hard to pick. But there is a, a good friend of mine named Peter Peter Reynolds. He wrote a book called The Dot. And for all of your artist listeners out there, this is a picture book that every single person needs to read. It if you're not familiar with it, you need to pick it up. It is so beautiful. He actually has three books in the trilogy and he calls it a create trilogy. <laughs> so it's so good, right? It's one of those things you wish you would have thought of like, that's so genius. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> so, um, it, and Peter, Peter is amazing. His second book called ish actually stars a little girl named Marisol and Eliana's middle name is Marisol. And he sent the book to her and said that she really inspired him with the name. (laughs) I I know, right? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and Peter's amazing. And the message of the dot is, I don't want to spoil it, but 
for a creative person, it just really hits home. It really does. So that's probably one of my absolute favorite picture books in the whole world. And as far as like a, a story to tell, <laughs> hmm, you know what? I'm going to, I'll share a very, very short okay. story. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> there was once a king who lived in a great kingdom and he had a beautiful castle and around this castle was a moat. But over the years, the water supply to the moat had run out. And the king said, I cannot have a castle without a moat. We must fill it up. So the king sent out an invitation to his entire kingdom. And he invited every person to bring water to place in the moat. In return, they would gain entrance to a great festival celebrating the return of the moat. So people came from far and wide. Some brought huge wagons filled with water. Some brought big buckets filled with water. And some brought tiny little thimbles filled with water. But no matter what the vessel was, every person was admitted to the great feast. They all ceremoniously poured the water into the moat, and sure enough, the water level rose, and the moat was full. The king said, I am so happy. I now feel safe again. And for all of you who brought me water, I am going to repay you. Take your vessels and go into the royal treasure room. There... We will fill your container with gold dust. Ooh. So those that brought big wagons, they had their wagons filled with gold dust. And those that brought big buckets, they had their buckets filled with gold dust. And those that brought tiny little thimbles, well, they had their thimbles filled with gold dust. Mm. You see, kindness cannot be measured, but it is often repaid in kind. Wow. The end. <laughs> wow. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Stunning. Stunning. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that all of your listeners will remember that kindness, that is the true gift. And that is what opened doors for me, kindness Wonderful. And now the folk tale, The Three Brothers. Once upon a time, there was an old man who had three sons. They all worked together and lived on a farm. One day, the father picked up a bucket of water and he strained his back. It took him several days to heal he realized that his body was getting old. He decided that he needed to declare which one of his sons would inherit the farm after he died. Now, each of his sons had strengths and weaknesses. The father did not know which one of his sons would be the best choice. So he decided he would have a competition. The 
father gathered his sons together and he said, You see that barn over there? We are going to empty it. I want each of you to fill the empty space with just one type of thing. Whichever of you fills it the best will be in charge of the farm after I have passed away. The first son, he loved animals, so he gathered up every single animal on the farm and stuffed them into that barn. The chickens squawked and the cows mooed and the pigs oinked. It was a loud riot inside that barn. But the animals only filled six feet worth of space in the air. They emptied the barn of the animals. The second brother went to the fields and harvested all of the hay. He baled it into squares, stacked the hay in the barn. It filled the barn all the way up to the rafters, but there was still some airspace at the very top of the ceiling. They emptied the barn of the hay. Then the third brother went in. He was able to fill the space in an instant. He took his flute and played a song. The sound of his music drifted up into the barn, filling every nook and cranny. The brothers and their father listened to the sweet sound. It filled the barn and their souls. The father decided that the third son had won the competition. He would inherit the farm. My thoughts on this story. So I love to pause this story right before the third brother enters the barn and allow audiences to guess what he's going to bring in. I make it a riddle tale, in other words. <laughs> I hint that he filled the space in an instant, um, and you would be amazed at what people will come up with. Often they'll guess abstract concepts like love. Um, and if that happens after a story has been resolved, I say that maybe he was expressing love through the music. And then we can expand to talk about what they're trying to express, or what we are trying to express when we make artwork. This story is can be found in uh, several different countries in Eastern Europe. And another solution to the riddle is that the third brother brought in a candle and filled the space with light. Another beautiful, beautiful answer. There is um, a favorite picture book of mine that recreates this story. It's called The Three Brothers by Carolyn Kroll. And the Grimm brothers also documented a story by the same title, The Three Brothers, but it's, it's really a very different outcome and different story. This tale and many others are found in my book, The Alchemy of Art, Stories for the Classroom. If you love this podcast and want to see it continue, support us by going to my website, azirfineart.com, to make a donation on the podcast page. Thanks, everyone. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. 
To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.